Well, well, it looks like we've finally found ourselves roaming the deserts of Arizona. Let's hope we don't run into one of those pesky skimwalkers. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, horror stories from Arizona. Joining me today is my good friend as the Raven Dreams. If you enjoyed their voice, please be sure to check out their channel and potentially give them a subscribe. They upload some great scary story videos. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's a scary story from a specific state or just a scary story in general, be sure to send it in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from Arizona. Hey there, Swamp Dweller. I'd like to start off by saying, while I only have followed your channel for a few months now, probably about two or three, I'm a huge fan of your content. I stumbled across your channel when I was searching through similar videos looking for something to listen to while on the job. While doing so, I spotted your letters from a Cryptid Hunter series, and that started my long journey down a delightful, startling rabbit hole. Excuse my paraphrasing. But anyway... I have a story that happened to me when I was around 13 or 14 years old. I am now 27 years old. I live and have lived in the South Phoenix area of Arizona for my entire life. One night, that will remain burned into my memory until I die though. I will share. I was outside my family home. We don't have a very large property, but it's not necessarily small either. We have roughly a five-room, two-bathroom house situated in the middle of about a quarter acre of land. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. I was in the backyard, somewhere between 9 and 11 p.m., playing with my cousins and neighbors, when I heard several loud noises and what sounded like a deep, guttural growl come from the alleyway gate. Something I now associate with the sound you might imagine a lion or a tiger to make just before pouncing on its prey. I initially ignored it, as I was having way too much fun. Several hours would go by during which I would occasionally hear that strange sound, and would continue to ignore it while playing. At some point in the night, my nine-year-old cousin wandered off towards the back alley. When I noticed what she was doing, I felt a deep sense of impending doom and dread. I yelled at her to come back to where I was immediately. I was standing there, and quickly ran over to her as fast as I could, I started to push her away as quickly as I could. As I did this, back to the gate, I heard some very distinct sound of the chain-link fence rattling and shifting around, like someone, or something, was climbing the fence. I grabbed my cousin's hands and practically dragged her full tilt sprinting back to the light before I turned and saw something distinctly humanoid clamoring over the gate with a cat-like speed and deafness. It hit the ground almost soundlessly and then began to pace with its eyes locked on our group. I'll never forget those deep, blood-red, almost sickly purple eyes. They seemed to glow. I'm not sure if they were just reflecting the light or if they were emanating light themselves, but they felt otherworldly, dark, and when I looked into them, I felt one very distinct and forward sensation. Hunger. It was going to kill and eat all of us given the chance. 
I did the only thing my young mind could think of. I got loud and I got angry. Kind of like you would if a bear was around. I'm not entirely sure what I was thinking. I did a sort of mock charge, taking a few large, overly dramatic steps toward it and screaming at this thing. To my surprise, it seemingly worked. The thing looked back, retreated a few steps, and turned and flew over the gate and scampered down the alleyway. We all ran inside as quickly as we could, practically climbing over each other. I thought for a short moment that that would be my last encounter with whatever that thing was. Sometimes, though, I still see it even today, always around dark and just barely on the edge of my visibility. It's never made an attempt to approach me. It even retreats when I try to approach. It makes no threatening sounds, and it's always in some sort of defensive, low stance. It always has its arms up to its sides. I saw it a few hours ago. It was lurking just beyond the wall that surrounds my backyard, just staring at me. I still have no idea what it is or where it came from, and if I'm being honest, I'm not sure I ever really want to. I am a 17-year-old male growing up in a small city in southwestern Arizona. The city of about 50,000 has little to nothing to do. My childhood was playing outside. My early teens was mostly just staying inside playing games. And now, I smoke weed, drive around the city with friends looking for trouble. I guess you can say I'm rebelling, but... I see it as living my best life in this sorry-ass town. Now that you've got some background, here's the story. This event happened a little over two months ago, so October. It was me, my girlfriend A, my two best friends L and J, and their girlfriends T and M. Six people. Remember that. It'll be important later on. All six of us decided to go to Ramsey Canyon to smoke, drink, and overall party to celebrate M's birthday. I was excited about the night to come, because school was kicking my ass, and to be honest, I needed a break. The night came, and it was time to go have an awesome night, or so I thought. I went and picked up A first, then L and T in my car, which is a 2006 RWD WRX with a 1JZ engine swap that I and my dad built over the summer. I know most of you listening don't care, but it's important later on. After about a 30-minute drive to Ramsey Canyon, we meet J and M at the parking lot, and then we hike about a mile to the spot, and we start to party. As the night goes on, everyone's having a good time. I smoke a blunt, and then I realize I'm getting noticeably high, but my girlfriend, who was doing shots non-stop, also decided to stop because me and her made the choice to not get fucked up and be somewhat responsible. At this point, it's about 8pm, and everyone came to the chill-out point, and we sat around the fire and smoked one blunt, and after hopefully sober up before we take everyone home. Now, at this point, I felt like I was being watched. I'm not easily intimidated. Before I moved out to Arizona, I was from a bad gang area in Central Texas. 
where I had been robbed at gun and knife point multiple times, so it takes a lot to scare me. But this feeling felt so mean and hateful, like whatever was looking at me wanted to hurt me, and it chilled me to the bone. I tried to shake it off as it was my turn to hit the blunt. About mid-smoke sesh, the girls all decided they had to use the bathroom, which made me feel better because I didn't want anyone going off by themselves. I decided to do a quick head count to make myself feel better instead of paranoid. I counted all the girls, me, and then Jay, and then I spoke out. Wait, where's L? And he said, He went back to the car because he realized he left his phone, and he went to go get it about ten minutes ago. Then all the girls walked off to use the bathroom. I look at Jay and said, Hey man, are you getting the feeling of being watched? And Jay kind of shouted out of excitement and then quieted down. Yes, yeah, I swear, about ten minutes ago, I heard M call my name from over there, and I haven't been able to shake this weird feeling of dread until the girls left. The weird thing was that M never left the group nor our little clearing. She's the birthday girl and I would have noticed. Then, about ten minutes later, the girls come running back crying, and T had a cut on her arm. I went from high to sober really quick, and I immediately went to T's aid and asked what had happened. From what I could understand, after they were done using the bathroom, they wanted to wander around for a little bit before coming back, when they came upon an observation point of the whole city, and M&A wanted a picture. After about five minutes of pictures, M&A's face went cold, and they were staring daggers right behind T. T, of course, reacts and turns around to see an eight-foot-tall thing two feet from her. It had deer legs, razor-like five-inch nails attached to long fingers and bony hands, with a red ooze dripping off of the right hand. T, too terrified to look up, reacts in a way that I think and know saved her life. She quickly raised her phone to take a picture, not to show the friends later on, but because the flash was on. As soon as the flash went off, the creature grunted in anger and T yelled, RUN! The girls took off back to the fire, and as T started to sprint, the thing clawed at her trying to grab her, but missed, and ended up slicing through her long sleeve and hoodie like a hot knife through butter. Hearing T's story, I was perplexed. What T had just explained sounded like a Wendigo or Skinwalker encounter. I'm Hispanic and African American, so I'm no stranger to folklore. After cleaning up and addressing T's cut, I look over to see M still crying her eyes out in Jay's arm, and A chain-smoking cigarettes by the fire. I went over to her and asked if she was alright, and what she said she saw scared the hell out of me. She said the face was the worst part. It had a deer skull with about ten-point antlers, with red eyes and eyes that looked like she was looking straight into hell. The mouth had so many razor-like teeth with meat hanging off the chest and neck. When she looked back at the face, she said that it smiled and started talking to her telepathically. It was telling her terrible things, such as no one loves her and that she should kill herself, and 
She got choked up and then started crying again. It took me an hour to calm her down. We were all just sitting there in silence when I jumped and yelled, Oh hell, where's L? I and Jay started yelling L's name at the top of our lungs, and I came up with the best idea that I could think of at the time. I told the whole group, Get your shit together, we're leaving now. And I pointed at Jay, We're going to get the girls in the car, and then going to look for L. Got it? He said, Got it. And we packed all of our stuff and made it to the cars in record time. We made sure the girls were okay in my car, so if they needed, they could get out of there quickly. I and Jay then ran into the forest looking for our dear friend L. Jay had my knife that I always carried, and I had my grandfather's M1911 ACP 45 with hollow points, just in case we saw some mountain lions up here where we were. I'm no stranger to guns so I kept it in my waistline and told myself that I'll only take it out if I need it. After about 30 minutes of searching, me and Jay stopped to take a quick breather. About a minute in, I heard leaves crunching under heavy footsteps. I reacted quickly, and within a fifth of a second, I drew my weapon and pointed it in the direction of the sound, and then pulled the hammer back, ready to defend me and Jay. It was L. I lowered my weapon and rushed over to him, hugging him, thanking God he was okay. Then, I slapped him, and I started cursing him out and yelled, Where the hell have you been? Jay said, Hey, calm down, man. Look at him. He looks like he saw a ghost. I looked at him, and yeah, he looked like hell. L said that when he was walking back to the car, he had gotten lost, and took a second to see if he could hear us and make his way back. As he strained his ears, he heard his name being called in a deep, demonic, raspy voice. He looked over and saw the exact same thing the girls did. He didn't waste any time and took off in a random direction. Now, L is a big guy. He could very well play football as a lineman and get a D1 scholarship without even trying. He said as he was running, the monster was maybe 10 to 20 feet behind him saying in the same voice, Uh, L, come here. L, come here. Uh. Eventually, L came across a cave thing that dipped down into a valley, so he jumped in, praying to God the creature would run by him. The thing stopped right above him, trying to smell for him, he'd assumed, but luckily he was near the river, so the sound of the water masked his breathing and scent. The creature scuffed in anger, and ran off. L said he was going to wait for about 20 minutes to make sure it was really gone and not just waiting him out, and he ended up passing out from exhaustion and the adrenaline starting to stop pumping into his blood. He woke up to us breathing heavily near him. He asked where the girls were, and Jay was about to speak, and I shushed them. I signed to them, Do you hear that? They both said no and then they realized what I meant and we got into a defensive position. I don't know a lot about the woods, but I know this. If the animals are quiet around you, that means they're scared of something more dangerous than you. About ten feet from us to the left, I heard A's voice say, Baby, I'm scared, I want to go home. I look over fully expecting to see my girlfriend, but my heart jumped straight to my throat and I got choked up, 
because now I'm seeing this unholy abomination. L and J took off, and I don't blame them. It took another step, and it spoke to me in that voice that would scare a Navy SEAL. It said, You're going to die here. With a little bit of giddiness in its voice, it took another step and smiled. I straightened up and put on the best face of, If you want to kill me, you're going to have a hell of a fight. And the smile of the creature got whipped off. I pulled the pistol out and pointed it right at the thing, and then I heard a growl come from it. I started saying a prayer in Latin that I learned that my grandfather had taught me if I was ever in danger. As I finished up the prayer, observe patrem defendant amen, then I fired all eight rounds into the creature. Three hit it in the head, and the rest landed center mass. It roared in pain and anger, and I ran, and then I heard the creature following me. I did that 30-minute hike in 10. As soon as I came hauling ass down the trail, Ellen J hopped in Jay's car and floored it down the mountain. I jumped into the car, and as I looked back, I saw that thing running after me. At this point, the girls are crying for me to go, and that's what I did. I started the car, I threw it in second gear, and I launched the car down after J and L. The speed limit was 25, and I was doing 50 to 60. I was drifting corners, and not taking any chances slowing down. As soon as I hit the straightaway, I put the pedal to the metal, easily passing J and L doing 100 miles per hour, and not slowing down until I hit the SR 92. Then I was doing 5 over the speed limit. I saw a McDonald's, so I stopped, so I could throw up that evening of junk food. I got back in the car and A asked if I was okay. I just gave her a look and then started the car and drove all of us to my house so we could sleep off the night that had just unfolded. J and M slept on the couch, L and T slept in the guest bedroom, and A went to my room. A made sure that the door was locked five times before laying down. She fell asleep crying in my arms. As for me, I didn't sleep. As soon as sunlight peeked over the mountain, I went outside to see if my car was damaged to see L and J already out there. Looking at my car, nothing was wrong except it was a little dusty. But then I looked at the back windshield. There was a huge, bloody handprint. You can believe the story or not, but if you plan to go to Ramsey Canyon in Sierra Vista, Arizona, bring a firearm at least. Hey there, Swamp Dweller. This is my first time submitting any story to any YouTuber. I chose you as my first time to submit. I am a Navajo from Window Rock, Arizona, capital of the biggest tribe in the United States. This story, to the best of my knowledge, is completely true. I am in a band called Ray Gurin. We had to travel to a beautiful town called Flagstaff, Arizona. So I guess you can say this story takes place between Flagstaff and Lupton, Arizona on I-40. Like I previously stated, my band had played a gig in Flagstaff. When we attend a gig, we normally stay for the entire event. Unlike a lot of bands that play their set time and leave immediately after. Not us. We stay and enjoy ourselves and it's to show respect to the headlining band and the promoter. 
These events often go past midnight, and we usually go through the drive through at a jack-in-the-box or whatever happens to be open. After we get ourselves some food, it was time for the long, three-hour drive back to our hometown of Window Rock. We never stayed the night in Flagstaff because oftentimes we had to work the very next morning, and oftentimes we'd leave for Flagstaff the moment we got off work. Anyway, on our way home, my driver and roadie, who is now our permanent bassist, had a very unusual experience. We will call him Johnny. Johnny often insisted on driving, and this night was no different. We all eventually fell asleep and Johnny drove. Of course, we play it safe and have someone stay awake with him in the passenger seat. Somewhere in the darkness as we traveled along Interstate 40, Johnny had noticed a diesel close behind us. The diesel tailgated us for a long time. As some moments passed, Johnny noticed a shadow in the back of the van, moving from side to side. He saw this because the light of the diesel behind us was shining through the windows. He tried to brush it off as one of us that was just asleep and momentarily had woken up. But this shadow looked odd, like it was outside of the van. The diesel had pulled up beside us again and this time it was flashing its lights at our van. This started to scare Johnny and the passenger who we will call Harlow. And again, they saw the shadow move on the back of the van. They couldn't see too much, especially through the rear view mirror. Harlow kept his eyes open and kept looking back. For a few moments, things went calm and quiet. Suddenly, a diesel had pulled up next to our van as we drove up and the driver of the diesel got Harlow's attention and seemingly looked desperate. There was signaling at us and gestured that there was something on top of our van. He was gesturing by pointing up to the roof. He sped off immediately after. I woke up to a hard break and feeling our van pull over and noticed that Harlow and Johnny had jumped out of the van and searched the van all over. Inside outside, under, and on top. There was nothing there. We don't know of any ghost stories on I-40, but we do know that skimwalkers can leave the reservation if they choose to do so. To this day it baffles us, and we do not know what would compel a trucker to act so erratically. We do not know if the trucker was messing with us, or if the trucker really did see something we didn't. We are all Navajo. Things like this happen often to Navajo. We seriously would not doubt it if it was a skimwalker. If you have taken the time to read this, thank you so much. I have more stories to tell, legitimate skimwalker stories, and fun fact, skimwalkers originated within the Navajo tribe. Skimwalkers were once good medicine men, but soon learned that they could use their power to harm, and when they learned this, they never used it for good again. When this unnatural and truly horrific story happened when I was 17 years old, I was an arrogant male. I am 23 now and have never told the full story to anyone. Until now. I want to tell this story to get it off my chest. Every summer I went to spend around two weeks of pure relaxation with my grandparents in eastern central Arizona, in the middle of nowhere. It was serene and nice. Since I was 17 and this could be one of my last times doing this, I would venture out to see them for the summer. So we decided to make the stay an unforgettable one. And trust me, this was unforgettable. So the first day that I was there, we decided we were finally going to complete the very long trail that went next to our humble cabin. I had the whole day planned out. 
with stops for breakfast, lunch, and at the very end, make it back just in time for supper. So I got ready for the hike, getting my knife, food, and other essentials. But the whole time, the hair on the back of my neck was standing right up, and I had a feeling of dread. But I shrugged it off as my horrible sleep schedule. Once my things were packed, I said goodbye, and I left for the hike. As I stepped out of the house, the hot Arizona sun stung my skin, giving me nostalgia of my earlier years. I made it to the trail about five minutes later, and as soon as I made it in the cool forest, I felt uneasy, like nothing I'd ever felt. It was a mix of being watched and feeling of butterflies in my stomach all at the same time. This was weird because I lived my summer days in this forest, and nothing ever like this happened. But after around 45 seconds, it seemingly went away. Thoughts rushed through my mind about scary stories for the duration of the first part of the hike, which didn't help at this point because I was so spooked. Around three hours later, I found the clearing that I would always stop at, but this time I would use it as a rest stop to eat. As I found some shade under one of my nearby trees and grabbed my sandwich and crackers, then I heard a twig snap from right behind me. At the time, I was a well-built teen and not afraid of too much, but as soon as I called out, it was too late. I saw it. It was tall, skinny but sort of built and freakishly tall, like around 9 to 10 feet tall at least. But the worst part was its dried, pale skin, long claws, and its head resembled that of a deer or an elk's goal. Oh, but the eyes, these eyes were blood red and filled with hatred and sorrow. As soon as I spotted this figure, I ran like the wind, but it was no use. It was right behind me. Every step that beast took seemed to be so much closer. It was echoing throughout the forest, deafening my ears. As I ran, I was starting to run short of breath, but this thing seemingly was not. But then after about 15 minutes or so, I noticed this thing straight from the depths of hell was not chasing me anymore. Thoughts were running through my mind. Was that thing real? Am I crazy? Why me? Then my mom's voice. Ben? Ben, you there, honey? But it was hollow and off and didn't sound correct. There was no way it was my mom's voice because she lived in Canada and we were in the woods of Arizona. I called back but got no response. Then I called out again. There was a voice, but one I will never forget. In a raspy, deep and demonic voice, it said, You better run. Then I bolted my chest still burning from the run before that. I must have run for 45 minutes or more with this brute straight behind me, reaching out for me. I was deep in the forest. It would take at least another hour to get out of here. So I dove for a bush. I could hear the beast with every step closing in on me. I could hear its deep breathing in and out, in and out. Then it yelled out, not in pain, but I think in frustration, as it seemingly couldn't find me anywhere. Then it cried out, like the sound of a dying animal, a thousand dying animals to be precise, all at once. It sent a shock through my body. Then it ran faster than I've ever seen back to where this whole thing started. I really can't remember much more. I remember opening the door and rushing into my room sobbing. My grandparents got back home from their lunch date and saw that I was shaken up and they asked what was wrong. I told them that I won't ever be coming back. That night, I could hear voices outside the house, and I left to go back to Canada the next day. I still do not know what that thing was. It looked like the mix of a wendigo and the rake. 
I never told my grandparents the full story. All I told them is that I saw something weird in the woods, and I just needed sleep. If you or anyone can tell me what this monster was, please let me know. I'm a long-haul truck driver, so I'm no stranger to the States, and I've seen things that I can't quite explain, but this is by far the weirdest thing to ever happen to me on the job. So I was driving through Arizona, heading westbound on I-40. I had finally hit Flagstaff and got out at a truck stop and handled my business. I ran by mile marker 185. It's about 10 miles outside of Flagstaff, Arizona. As I passed mile marker 185, there was what seemed to be a person hitchhiking. The only problem was this guy was huge. He was like 8 feet tall, looking straight into the passenger window of my semi-truck. On top of that, it seemed like he was as wide as the truck from shoulder to shoulder. I passed the hitchhiker at about 70 miles per hour. Or, so I thought, about a half mile down the road, I saw the same exact person or thing. Once again, I passed it. But once again, this kept happening even 20 miles down the road to mile marker 165. I saw it every few miles. After I passed mile marker 165, I didn't see it anymore though. So I thought I was done with it. But I was dead wrong. I got down to mile marker 145 and had to take a leak. So I pulled over on the side of the road to handle my business. It was about when I was halfway done that I heard an ear-piercing scream. It was like a mix between what sounded like a deer and a human. As soon as I heard it, I started looking around and just outside of the halo of my headlights, I saw it. I was never more confused and scared in my life. I tried to figure out what it was when I heard something flying. Suddenly, I heard a thump and sitting three feet away from me was a huge rock the size of a basketball. It had to have at least been 80 pounds. When I saw that, I pretty much noped the heck out of there. That thing threw it at me, and it landed three feet away. I wasted no time trying to hop back in the truck and get away from whatever that thing was. As I passed it, it just stared me down, and I never saw it again. Can someone please tell me what the heck I saw? Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from Arizona. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to me. It also lets me know what topics you would like to see me cover more. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode. I upload them almost every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as it helps us a ton over there. If you're on the go but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Much thanks to my friend As The Raven Dreams for reading story number 2 today. If you enjoyed his voice, be sure to... Sh if you enjoyed their voice, be sure to check out their channel. You can find the link to do so in the description down below. They upload great scary videos all the time on their channel, and I know you'll enjoy them. 
If you would like to support the swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5 star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. I have t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all the other social medias. Let me know your favorite story tonight in the comments down below, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.